0: in Texas Banking. Today, our podcast brings you a truly special episode dedicated to promoting Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We are honored to have the opportunity to speak with several courageous breast cancer survivors who will share their remarkable journeys, the profound impact it's had on their lives, and the incredible initiatives they've undertaken to affect positive change. In the month of October, we unite as a community to raise awareness and educate others about the paramount importance of early detection, prevention, and treatment. Breast cancer affects countless women worldwide. Our guests, Jen Palmer, Davina Taylor, Leslie Strain, Shalita Seals, and Beth Stabinoa, embodying the unwavering belief that every woman deserves access to information and resources throughout this challenging journey. Awareness encompasses far more than the mere statistics or facts. It provides unwavering support for those fighting this battle and celebrating the spirit of survivors who have overcome immense obstacles. Together, let us embark on this empowering conversation, drawing inspiration from these individuals. By joining forces, we can truly make a difference in the fight against breast cancer. Truth in Texas Banking, I'm LaVonda Renfro, and I had the pleasure today to talk again with someone that we consider a close personal friend of the bank, Jen Palmer. Jen Palmer is married to Ryan Palmer, one of our golf ambassadors. And many of you have heard from Jen before through the work that she does and through their foundation, but Jen is a survivor of breast cancer. With October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we thought it appropriate to bring her back on the show and just talk a little bit more about you know, Jen's story, if you haven't heard it and talk a little bit more about how all of us can do better at learning the signs of what we need to do and getting the help we need to, to make sure we're getting all the screenings and the proper care. So welcome back to the show, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Seems like this is our third go-around, and every time it's always a little more fun. (laughs) I've, I've always, you know, one of the things I've admired about you the most in the years I've got to know you and your story is just how, Breast cancer for you came at a time when, you know, during your life and how it affected you. But i just like for everybody to know a little bit about your story, Jen, and give us your background on your, your breast cancer diagnosis. All
1: right. Yes. Yeah, so I was diagnosed at the age of 40, which, you know, I was actually looking forward to being 40. And I thought it was going to be the best year of my life. And, uh-huh. you know, in some ways... I mean, I guess you could say it was one of the best years of my life, because even though I was diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, that gives me a chance to share my story, share my journey and to hopefully help others um, right. by being able to to share about that. So, yeah, so I was diagnosed in uh, 2016, of course, by a mammogram, which okay. is, you know, in my opinion, uh, really the only way to... Detect cancer at its early uh, breast cancer at its early stages. Right, I know that. Hopefully, now there are some other technologies, and we're you know they're still trying to come up with newer um, ways to diagnose breast cancer. But um, for me, I was diagnosed um, through a mammogram, and then you know you sort of go on this journey into the unknown. For you know it can be up to four weeks, even longer before you can get in with doctors and surgeons and, uh, and get a treatment plan. Right. So my breast cancer was a triple positive invasive ductal carcinoma, and it had spread to the lymph nodes. So I did surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and um, what they also call adjunctive chemotherapy. Yeah. So follow along. Um, and then I did have another surgery down the way and some oral medication too that I took for five years. So. Okay.
0: Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so when you got the diagnosis, were you pretty regular about getting your screenings? A lot of people may not know about this, but Jen's a dentist. And so she has a medical background and did, did you get your screenings regularly though, Jen?
1: Yes. So in the past, they said that you don't really need a mammogram until turn 40. Um, But I had actually had a couple of mammograms before and they actually pulled one of mine up when I was back there with the radiologist to show me the difference between my Ah, previous mammogram and the one where they, you know, that they used for my diagnosis. So right. I've always been pretty proactive in my healthcare. Maybe because I have the medical background, but I'm usually not one to to wait around um, <laughs> on right. things. I, yeah, I mean, so so yeah, I was very lucky that um, that I went in, and it was. It was a catch that I'm not sure everybody would catch um, what they did see on the mammogram. So I was really thankful for that. And then of course I did an ultrasound that same day and they got me in really quickly for a biopsy.
0: Yeah, I think that was important. Something you said too is that I think it's clear for me is that I think a lot of people think when when you hear the word, I've got breast cancer or whatever that is, it does take time then to get a treatment plan and go see doctors. And many of us would want to, okay, let's go tomorrow. So why do you think that time frame? that, you know, sometimes it can take four to six weeks before you can get a plan together. What does that time do? To, what did that do to your psyche? And how did you deal with, I know I have this and I, I don't have a plan yet. Are you a planner?
1: Yes. Yes. I am a total planner. So yeah. So, I mean, it was really difficult. I think, I feel like in my situation, it was more difficult for the people around me, like Ryan and my family, because they felt helpless. They couldn't do anything. We didn't really know anything. Because while there is a way to tell that the breast cancer was invasive from the biopsy, um, I mean, you still at that point, you don't really know if you're going to need chemotherapy, you know, until they do some more diagnostic testing. So... I think, you know, one of the quotes that someone said to Ryan is they feel like you're swimming upstream yeah, um, or that you're like out in the ocean and you're going against the current. So that was one of the ways that someone related it to him. But, you know, I just I tried to remain calm. And also with my medical background, I did a lot of research and was trying to just find out anything I could, you know, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Bad right. Thing. Sometimes the internet then, can
0: scare the heck out of you. Then you
1: have Dr. Google, <laughs> you know, and they're diagnosing everything for you, exactly. which not be, you know, accurate. So right. um, and you know, like you said, getting into the word cancer and why it is so fearful is, I mean, I feel like there's a number of reasons. I mean, I think people hear the word cancer and then they automatically relate it to death. Maybe right. because um, they've had it happen to a family member or a friend, and at that point, you don't know anything about staging, and you don't know how you know advanced it is. You don't know. I mean, and other people have that fear because maybe they don't have family, they don't have right. friends, they don't have health insurance, they have barriers to treatment such as transportation, and so many reasons why you know people are scared. They have kids, they want to make sure that they are able to tell their kids in a way that makes them understand it. But that, again, doesn't make it fearful for them, um, because it can change their lives and their outlook and how they relate to their peers and their schoolwork, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, there's just, yeah, I feel like that, that there is a stigma around the word. And for me, um, I was always very open I don't know if that has more to do with just my personality, but I, you know, obviously we had to keep it quiet for a little while because of our, we wanted it to be with our inner circle and make sure that we had told everyone in our family and kind of had some information before it did get out because Ryan is a public figure and he had to take time away from, you know, golf to be there for the family. So for me, it really helped me, I think. It helped me to get my story out there. Um, I felt like maybe I was helping others or maybe that I could get information that I didn't know about that might help me on my journey. And just, you know, getting more people to pray for me and helping me find good doctors. So I was happy to share my story and yeah. um, and get it out there. And I also think that sharing it helped Keep me positive and just
0: have a better journey with all of it. Right. No, I, I, I love the way you said that some of it is just by saying it, it doesn't make it as, a, as scary by saying it out loud. I mean, even though you may not know all of what it brings to you, just saying it out loud, someone else hearing you, you're not alone in those thoughts. Right, and so yeah. I think that's that's a big part of, of what I I've seen. I I think one of the things I love about what you guys do, I do want to talk about the the Ryan Palmer Foundation that you guys you and Ryan put a lot of effort into it, and I know part of it is the dentistry part and the smiles, which I know you're very proud of as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, but I also know that a big part of it is the comfort bags that you guys give. So tell us a little bit about those comfort bags and how long you've been doing it and why that's important to you as a you know something that you saw when you were going through your treatments.
1: Okay. Yes. So we do we partner with the National Breast Cancer Foundation to provide hope kits to women who are undergoing breast cancer treatment and I think we've been doing that with them for 2 years now. Okay.
0: Maybe maybe 3. I think it's 3. I think it's yeah, 3 because I think last I think year we yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so I think it's 3 years and so these kids are, I mean, they're basically there to, to try and provide some comfort to these ladies who are going through surgeries, double mastectomies, chemotherapy, radiation. Um, some of the things that they have in them are a lip balm. They have blankets, fuzzy socks, lotion, um, a tumbler. And I think they have like a journal and pen and usually a note of encouragement. And there may be a couple of other items. I think they put a bracelet in it and it's just... It's just really neat to me. We took a group over there uh, the very first year we, in, we were involved. And I would love to go back over there and do that again. But we were able to pack those kits up and, you know, know that they were going out to women. And for me, I think it's really important because one of the things when you go through chemotherapy, um, obviously you can get sick and you also can get very dehydrated. So having the tumbler, you can always have water. Mm -hmm. Um, lip balm and lotion for, you know, dry lips and skin. Um, I did cold capping to save my hair. So the fuzzy socks and the blankets were something that I used every time I went to treatment. So I just think it's, you know, it really gives these women some, um, well, hope That's why they're called hope kits, but then also, you know, just a level of comfort being there and knowing that somebody you know, cares enough about you and your cancer journey to to want to do that for you and make you make that happen for you to have those
0: items. Yeah, I think you know a lot of people may not know what to expect in their first treatment, right? Of you're not sure of how what have this and to get something like that that may give you some comfort in the meantime. I think it's very. I think it mean it's more meaningful than people might expect because I think just like I said, unless you know what to expect, you don't know that you might your lips might get chapped or yeah. you your skin might be drier than normal, things like yeah, that. Yeah. So that's a, a great way to add that onto it.
1: Yeah. I you don't that. really know,
0: honestly. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah exactly. Just going
2: into
0: I, it. I, so, I, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you do, a, I mean, you've got a family you take care of and you've got things that you do, but I know this is part of your passion. So really one of the things I wanted to ask you is why do you feel like you can still, add to this. What what in your journey said, look, I, I can help others feel better when they're going through the same diagnosis that I went through. So what drives you, Jen, to keep going?
1: Yes. Well, I mean, of course, one of the things that drives me is family and teaching my kids to serve others. And I certainly hope that that's a legacy that I leave behind for them. But, um, you know, having the foundation, we have the ability to, I feel like really get out there and, you know, and help others. And one of the first things that we were able to do was to partner with Texas Health Resources. And they have a mobile unit that goes around and can serve women in need right where they are. Uh, They have a screening mammogram. And so, you know, They travel out into the community and that way they're able to meet these women who may not have uh, child care or a way to get, you know, to an actual facility to get that screening done. So um, that's where we started. And we actually are going to be partnering them again this fall for two different outings with the mobile unit, one in October and one in November. When
0: you um, find out more on that, Jen, let us know. We'll make sure the word gets out to some of our communities as well to help okay. advertise that. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, and the reason why, of course, that that situation drives me is because, like I said, the mammogram is the way that you detect breast cancer, and it's the way that you detect it um, in its early stages. And, you know, we're also looking into other ways and newer technologies, you know, new, newer, hopefully, Newer diagnostic tools, too, for women. But just being able to have a a mammogram be accessible, like to all women, that would really be, you know, like a main goal for me is, uh, you know, is to be able to have that happen.
0: How can people get involved with the Ryan Palmer Foundation to help you achieve your goal of making sure mammograms are accessible to all women?
1: Yes. So um, obviously they can go, um, you know, We're redoing the Ryan Palmer Foundation website. We're going to make it newer and better. And so they can go on there. It's www.ryanpalmerfoundation.org. And we're going to have everything listed on there for October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You know, you can obviously make a donation directly to the foundation. But also during the month of October, we partner with HTO. And they have those. All over DFW, Amarillo, um, I know that they're branching out. And so during that month, uh, you can round up on your purchase. Okay. And all of the proceeds from rounding up go toward the Breast Cancer Initiative for the Ryan Palmer
0: Foundation.
1: Oh, that's and
0: awesome. How much did you make off the spare change off the HTO drink?
1: I think that we made around $78,000 wow. in partnering with HTO. And yes, so people just rounded up their purchase. And all of those proceeds went straight to our foundation for the breast cancer initiative.
0: Tell me a little bit about what is HTO? Uh,
1: The franchise of HTO started in Amarillo, Texas, which happens to be where Ryan and I are both from. And so they created the Ryan Palmer T. So that's how everything got started. And so then we built a partnership with them uh, a few years back. And this last year was when, they decided to do the roundup. I don't know if they call it roundup for breast cancer awareness um, or what they're going to be calling it this year, but um, that's how it all got started.
0: So do they do that in October? Is that the month they do like yeah, a roundup in the October?
1: End, yes. So it's for the entire month of October. So anything that they round up, oh, it's called roundup with Ryan. So anything that they round up, that someone rounds up through their purchase that month, all of that goes to the Ryan Palmer Foundation. So where do I
0: get h Where do I get that? Or can
1: I get h oh, uh, So there are, there's a lot of H2Os all through the DFW Metroplex. I mean, of course, there's the one that started in Amarillo. They're building one right now in Colleyville, Southlake. There's one in Grapevine. I want to say Bedford. And you can get it by just like a cup, or you can go in there and order by the gallon. They have these little, they're not even a half gallon. It's almost like a quarter gallon.
0: So H2O is a franchise that was started at Amarillo. They partner with the Ryan Palmer Foundation for the change in October, the Breast Cancer Awareness Month. They donate that Roundup change to the Ryan Palmer Foundation to help with breast cancer awareness and other foundation things that you do. So I guess, Jen, you know, I guess, you know, like I said, we we've talked with you a few times and love having you on the show. You're such a, a great proponent for awareness. I think one of the things that makes you so appealing is that through the foundation, but also through your personal self, your own story about, you know, wanting women to find, getting help soon so they can have a full life. But I think also for all of us, making sure that cancer doesn't have the stigma of a of a sentence that's, you know, limiting. It, it can, yeah. it, there's a lot of things that can be done with that. So I appreciate you again, being on the show as always. We look forward to having Ryan on, uh, with us as an ambassador and the Ryan Palmer Foundation. You know, it's one of the great foundations. It just gives back so well to the state of Texas. And so we're really proud of that. Thank you, Jen.
1: Yes. Thank you. Appreciate you guys having me. And I'm, we are just really thankful to be able to work with Veritex. I think that, you know, the Ryan Palmer Foundation and Veritex share a very common goal and that we want to serve others and we want to serve others through, you know, integrity, whether that be with you guys, with your banking um, and right. us with us through, you know, our breast cancer initiative, with our the braces that we do through the foundation and also just growing the game of golf. You know, yeah. we want to do it to serve others just like you guys and to do it with integrity. So we really appreciate being partners with you. Guys at Veritex, and really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: It's always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So excited on the Truth in Texas Banking podcast today are people with a purpose. I'm really excited because I get to talk with people that I work with on a daily basis and that are part of a story. And so today, I'd like you to welcome Davina Taylor, who is one of our project managers here at Veritex Bay. And I'm so excited Davina was willing and really excited to share her story and her journey about her cancer diagnosis. So welcome to the show, Davina.
2: Thank you, LaVonda, for having me. And good morning, everyone.
0: Well, listen, I do want to get to, you know, your story in a, a short version about how you were diagnosed with cancer and what happened, how you got there. And then I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what has done for you, a diagnosis like this, in a positive way? What what has led to in your life and, and how a diagnosis can mean let's go fight and let's go win, uh, as well as what what other things are going on in your life. So, Damina, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and your journey to finding out you're going to be diagnosed with cancer?
2: Sure. Thank you. So my journey started in March and I actually just noticed necessarily in not a self-exam, but I just noticed something a little different. And so by that April, it was a significant change. And my husband's like, you got to go to the doctor. So when I went, he immediately wanted me to stop across the hallway for a sonogram. And of course, you know, they were busy. So I waited two days to go closer to the house. And in that sonogram, uh, I kept trying to justify, well, you know, maybe it's scarred tissue. I think I hurt myself. And the lady looked and then she stepped out and then the surgeon came in and he looked and I gave him my story. And I said, well, in your professional opinion, he said, in my professional opinion, I think I'm looking at malignant breast cancer. And <laughs> that never crossed my mind. So when I stepped out, I was in this dark room and I just turned and I said, okay, God, I I know you've been drawing me closer. I was reading Jesus' calling for about a year. I said, I know you've drawn me in closer so you can reveal this to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, everything just happened fast. So by April, it was confirmed. It was malignant after a buy-off, stage two lumpectomy. A couple of days before that uh, results went where I came back and they're like, hey, you know that your tumor uh, it's grown from three and a half centimeters to five, and we see a spot on the other breast. So we need you to come in. So I didn't call anybody. I ran in thinking, oh, let's get this done. Well, Uh, It it came back that there was active cancer cells on the other breast, and I was now gonna require double mastectomy. So that was scheduled in May. I had that as a result of that. The tumor was at eight centimeters. They removed eight lymph nodes, four under each arm, and it spread. I was re-diagnosed as a stage 3B, and my treatment significantly changed to 15 months of chemo, radiation, and a 10-year treatment. And because of that, I also was able to be a part of a clinical trial because there was a new chemo drug that had come out that based on how aggressive mine was, they thought I'd benefit. So I had four uh, aggressive chemo drugs in my treatment plan. And uh, so I treated, I got through about 11 months of the 15 months before I had heart damage and you know they don't know if it was from the clinical trial drug i'd been on it five months solo or the overall i mean the heart had been doing a lot of work so right, by the grace right. of god i got through that with medication still to this day so then i started my radiation and my 10-year treatment plan may i was in year survivor although it's bittersweet because my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer in may she was a stage one she had a me in june and uh, she finished her radiation in august and now she's on her treatment plan we're on that together so because of that we both had genetic testing and as a result i just got my results last week and i was confirmed a BRCA positive BRCA 2 uh fad1 so i actually had an 80 85 percent chance of uh, having a breast cancer in ovarian and because of some other things in 2018 i went ahead and uh, they were doing a biop and I said, let's do the full hysterectomy. I'm just psychologically, the PTSD. I just can't go through that. Let's just do this. And, you know, by the grace of God today, what a foresight that I did that in 2018 when last week I get the BRCA news that would have been an 80, 85% chance of ovarian. So, you know, thank you God for your timing with everything. So, you know, in, in, I, I give God the glory <laughs> because for me, what it did for me, it it took everything out of my life, except God and cancer and the fight. Yeah. But it also, when it moved it to a stage three, then I needed help. Uh, and my mom and dad stepped in and my dad would drive my mom home to me uh, on Mondays. And she would go with me to chemo and my husband would take her back on Thursdays. And yep. we did this for about a year. And uh, I just had that relationship with my parents and that time with my mom and dad in our home and, you know, just recuperating and and, and going through treatment and a serious fight. But also, I was in a walk closer to Jesus and my faith and Lord and Savior than I ever had been. And I realized what he was doing. He just used that to get me closer to walk with him. Yeah. And he led me the whole way. I give him all the glory, all the victory. Uh I had some bad days, but by far I had more good days than bad days. So being a part of doing that exam, it's important that you do that. It's important that you get those sonograms done and you, you know, check yourself, knowing your body, like you said, you know, listen to yourself, listen to your body. Nobody knows it better than you. Uh there were even times, you know, going through treatment, there were things that I was like, hey, you know, I'm off, something's off. And they were like, well, you know, nobody else does this. And I'm like, well, I don't care what anybody else does. I'm telling you <laughs> what what it's doing to me. Yeah. Uh, but again, by the grace of God, I was able to tolerate those drugs and that treatment. And he brought me through to victory. But you know, it's just important because now with my sister and some very close friends recently diagnosed, and I mean, as of this year and losing a friend on Sunday, that. I grew up with Five Doors Down. She bought a three year bottle of ovarian. It's just important to, they've got early detection, you know, and they're so far advanced. Just seeing what they did for my sister and some of my friends was so different than what I went through in my treatment 10 years ago. Right, it's right. just so advanced, well, you know. I think that's,
0: I think that's really important to talk about is that I think some of the things that are out there sometimes is that they've made a lot of advances in treatment and in early detection. You know, even the last five years, but even you know, from to your point, ten years ago, what mm-hmm. they can do. And so, one of the things I wanted to ask about Davina is, you know, you have a, a a story of survivor and a story of listening to your body, your husband or your significant other, whoever it might be. Say, you know, I think as women, sometimes we uh, we go, oh, it's no big deal because we're used to being the caretaker and we're the ones that are always strong. And I've told I've told Livy before. We don't get to be sick when the you know the kids are sick. We're we're the ones who have to take care of the kids uh, most of the time. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes as women we kind of blow off symptoms or blow off things that we would for our own children or for our spouses who are sick and others we go go to the doctor take them to the doctor, but we mm-hmm. don't do that for ourselves. So tell me a little bit about that. Why you said I'm gonna go get this checked out. Well,
2: uh, initially when I first uh, noticed something, it was kind of just like an indention. And I said, do you kind of notice this? Like when I leaned forward. And he said, yeah, I think I do. Uh, and then another week went by and just standing up, I kind of noticed it. And it was Easter Sunday and we were getting ready. And I was, you know, drying my hair. And there was a visible change in the look. And at that point, I knew something was wrong and going on. And, you know, of course, we Google everything. And I I was like, oh, no, this can't be. Nobody in my family (laughs) has ever had breast cancer. And I come from a large family and a lot of women. And it
0: was just, just, it never even crossed my mind. Davina, had you been disciplined about getting a mammogram? You know, they talk about getting mammograms every year. Were you disciplined in that?
2: I was... Uh, but I do have to say I had it had been two years since I had had one. And in that fall, my primary doctor noticed my black blood count was kind of high and said, you know, hey, I'm going to check you again in three months. If that's still high, we're going to see what's going on. Well, it, it wasn't. It was in normal ranges. That was like in the fall. Well, in the spring is when I noticed the change. And then it was just very aggressive. So you do have that guilt when you don't get it. But, and then you think, okay, is this in my environment? Did I not take care of myself? Did, you know, what, you know, what is it? Did I, could I have prevented this? And, you know, you can't, you know, you you do all the things. Be smart and, you know, be smart about your health and take care of yourself and listen to your body. But it's not your fault. There's chemical makeups. There's genes. They're hereditary. Just the whole genetic spotlight on that for my sister and I this last 30 days, uh, that's huge. Now our entire family, they're going to be genetically tested because we have that and we have passed that so now our entire family is at a higher risk for several types so that's important on uh, to do that and your health checks and your self-exams just you know be proactive and take care of yourself
0: talk about how your you know i guess your recuperation your therapy and you know how you work through this through art i'd love to hear that story
2: Oh, this was such a fun thing. So Texas Oncology, where my treatment, my doctors are, they had just started this uh, art program where they asked several different patients to participate in it and create these canvases that kind of told your story or where you were or maybe what you were feeling, but you haven't expressed it or said it. Because you think a lot of crazy things that You really don't want to tell your family because you don't want to freak them out, but you are also realizing, hey, I am in a fight for my life. And, you know, I don't know. I got to think about everything and cover the bases. So in this program, this healing through art, the lady that set it up, bless her heart, she had no idea what she created, but we are now the cancer babes. We are the tight knit group that came out of that art class. All the other art classes before they walked out, they didn't even know each other. To this day for 10 years, we are a tight knit group called the Cancer Babes. But in these canvases, I kind of you just walk through and express yourself. So we all did that. And uh, the, it, the artwork has hung in Texas Oncology for the last 10 years. Mine was right outside the treatment room when you walked in, uh, and it just something about it just made it special. And you'd see people stop and read it and have no idea, you know, you're sitting right next to them and it's like, yeah. I'm a victory. I'm a victory story. You can be a victory too. You know, just trust, have faith and hold on. But mine was titled, uh, it was just me and God when, and then it's getting that phone call and then everything was stripped away and it was just me, God and the cancer literally in a fight for my life. And he knew how it was going to end. Yeah. Uh, And I trusted him and I didn't, I wasn't a, afraid of how it was going to end. I was afraid for my family, but I was not afraid. I just trusted him. I just knew that there was something bigger than what this really was. And uh, for me, it was very personal. It's my growing my relationship with him and walking close with him. So I become aware of others around me that needed me and needed someone or anyone. And just that compassion, waking up that compassion, making sure God's light shining through me, making sure he gets that glory for everything, every day. And that's what I think I'm here for, is to be a prayer warrior for those that are fighting, for those that are surviving, for those who are caretakers, and and including the doctors and the nurses. They're awesome. They're compassionate, they're awesome. And it's it's important to remember them.
0: I love that story. About, you know, your purpose is to, in your case, be a prayer warrior, but also to look at not just the individual who's affected, but those who are caring for those, the doctors, the nurses, you know, all those around you. And just to provide that purpose that, you know, this is something you, you may get, but you have to. Think about everyone else who's trying to help you get across that next line, other, you know, in, in, in your personal walk with faith. And I think those are important parts of anyone's walk through any kind of injury or any kind of illness or sickness that we all have to walk through at some point in our life. I've laughed about this a couple of times. I think people have seen this. Hey, if you don't eat cake and you eat really healthy and you do all these things right, you're going to die healthy because we're all going to die at some point. I mean, you know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) So it's going to happen. So you got to figure out what that looks like here so you can help others. So what if I asked you one in a single sentence, Davina, that you said, I want my purpose to help others that may be diagnosed with cancer, what would be something I would tell them?
2: I would tell them to hold on to the hope and faith in their Lord and Savior. He's with them every step of the way, before them and beside them in the quiet moments alone and in the big moments of the craziness. And just trust Him. He, he's going to be there for you and your family, your friends, and your doctors. You know, they're all fighting for your life too. And sometimes, you know, my husband. Oh man. Sometimes okay. When I couldn't walk for myself and I couldn't do for myself, my husband lifted me up and carried me through. And uh I just want to make sure that um, you know, it's important when you're loved like that. He shaved his head when I had to shave my head and uh that's a big moment. That's a big pill to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> no, for me no doubt. For me personally, I just, I didn't want to see myself, Bob, because it was like, you're sick. So I just kind of departmentalized it and kind of put it off to the side that... I'm over here going through something but I'm really looking ahead. I don't have time to look to the side because God's just lighting that path and blazing it for me and I'm not going to take my eyes off of him. You know, it's me and him and this cancer and I'm following him all the way. I I don't, I don't want to look over there. So I wore hats, cute hats, fancy hats, sometimes wigs, you know, not so much, but it was just easier for me because It was kind of like I pretended like I wasn't really that sick. I was kind of going through the motions, but I was there to lift everybody else up and pat them on the back and, you know, tell them it's okay. I hope you feel better. And, you know, encourage them. So it's, it's just amazing. I remember one of my treatments, this lady showed up. I hadn't seen her before. She was on a business trip here. She was diagnosed. She chose to stay. Her family's in Florida. She she chose to stay for her treatment she had no one she couldn't speak um very english very well uh her mother came in at one point and you know i had my cancer babes we got together and you know we bought gift cards for dinner and had things to make sure she had some piece of home and knew she was you know supported and yeah. uh, so she went through and was going through her reconstructive after her treatment, and in her reconstructive surgery, they found the cancer had spread to her liver. She had to stay additionally, and she finally went home. This, this was only less than a year duration. She went home in October to her family, and she passed in January. But it's like I felt like she was here, and uh, my purpose, and my mom was this way too, and our cancer babes, that we were here for her. Um, we were surrounding her. We lifted her up. She became our family. Uh, we made sure she someone was with her always and sitting with her in treatments. And uh, you just never know what somebody's story is in the chair yeah. sitting next yeah.
0: to you. So, Veritex Bank, we uh, we make these care packages up each year and deliver <laughs> to oncology. So, tell me about what that purpose that we joined the Palmer Foundation, the Ryan Palmer Golf Foundation. We joined them to help care packages. What did that mean to have those types of items for you when you were taking your treatment?
2: Listen, my very first chemo treatment, my husband and I were sitting there and one of the nurses walked in and she handed me this beautiful pink blanket Mm -hmm. that someone had made and they were donated to new patients. And that blanket is priceless to me because at that point, complete strangers were praying and lifting up and thinking of me. And I had no idea how many people were really surrounding me and it was it was overwhelming because there's a lot of emotion going on you you know you're scared you know every treatment's different you don't know what's going to happen you pre-med for 45 minutes to an hour with steroids nausea pain you know just to prep you to start taking the chemo and uh for someone to come in and be thinking of you and give you something like that all those items are needed you know, the, the yeah. candy, the wipes, the the all of it. It's so personal and it's so moving that complete strangers think of you when you're in that plot for your life and they're lifting you up and you'll never know who they are. But you pray and you thank God for putting those people in your life. And maybe one day
0: you'll cross their path and maybe you won't, but yeah. um, you thank God for them. Well I appreciate that Davina. I mean, you're you have a story about survival. You have a story about revival and you also have a story of listening to your body and you know going through it, but what I love the most about it is you were given a diagnosis that you know some people go in denial and you went forward. So I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us today. It's really moving to know How it affected you in different ways, even though it was an illness, but how it, you know, it may have saved your life in other ways. And what a a testament to your faith. So thank you so much for sharing that with us.
2: Well, again, thank you for having me today. I'm just so great what you guys do in Veritex. I'm I'm so proud to be a Veritexan and all that you guys do for not only the breast cancer, but all the wonderful things that we support in the community. So thank you again for the opportunity this morning. You're welcome to it Thank you so much. Have a great day,
0: okay?
1: Thanks for listening to part one of our cancer awareness series. Join us next week to hear from several of our Veritex Community Bank employees who have courageously battled cancer. And don't forget to follow us so you never miss an episode.